Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us as we wrap up the week. Coming up on today's program, you know, a lot of farmers just waiting for the window of opportunity to get out and get some field work done. It's been kind of a start and stop, start and stop for a lot of folks. Some places uh, not even getting started. And as we've heard from some, like yesterday, Ken McCauley in northeast Kansas, not only have they got the corn in, but it's up. And they're into beans now. So we got this uh, variety, you know, this wide spectrum of uh, planting activity around the Midwest. Coming up today, we're going to get an update from North Dakota. Rusty Halverson will join us, the uh, farm director at the American Ag Network. And we'll get an update from North Dakota. Also, we're going to get an update on weather from uh, longtime ag meteorologist Greg Solier. Greg's going to join us uh, to tell us about uh, this coming week in the yeah, wow, it sounds like there's a lot of moisture going to be around for the next week. So I don't know how much drying out or field work we're going to get done, but uh, we'll get an update. And we're going to talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. And also, we're going to start a series on um, getting the most efficiency from your equipment, looking at your fuel choices today. We'll talk with a fuels expert with CHS Cenex coming up a little bit later in the program. But right now, let's go to Fargo, North Dakota. Rusty Halverson with the American Ag Network is with us. Rusty, thanks a lot. Is the snow gone? Yeah, for the most part, Mike, it sure is. We got some uh, still in the shelter belts and in some trees, but uh, around the Red River Valley in some parts. But we've had some really nice temperatures. Looks like we're going to cool down into this weekend, though. In fact, Mike, they're talking about uh, maybe some snow uh, in some of the precipitation that's headed our way and in uh, southern uh, Minnesota, I think there could be a chance of maybe a, a storm warning for for uh, snow accumulation. Yeah, we're going to talk about that with Greg Solier in the next segment. But it, it's like the winter that will not quit, right? Well, I haven't touched a golf club in about six months. So, yes, <laughs> that is correct. But uh, it's coming around slowly but surely coming around. Okay, any field work going on around the state? Well, to be honest with you, not much at all. According to uh, the latest numbers from USDA, nothing for sugar beets, nothing for spring wheat in North Dakota. Montana, fellas, they're said to be about 10% planted, South Dakota about 2%. And I talked with uh, Reed Christofferson, the executive director of the uh, South Dakota Wheat Commission, just a bit ago. And he told me uh, a lot of spring wheat guys still waiting around, and the winter wheat guys they're seeing their crop come out of dormancy in variable shape. For for some of the guys that didn't get some of their soybeans off until late last year, uh, if they planted winter wheat into the field, they've got that extra field residue. And so those fields not looking uh, nearly as nice as some of the, uh, the fields that were planted in a timely manner last fall. So highly variable from his travels uh, around the state. Still April, and we keep saying, you know, it's not late uh, for most folks. I would think, especially in North Dakota, it's not late yet for you, right? No, not uh, not too late for us. Uh, uh, we uh, we like to be planted by, you know, uh, early May, mid-May, because then you start seeing those yield declines, of course. And uh, the chatter that I've been hearing, in fact, your guest uh, Naomi Bloom from uh, Stuart Peterson saying uh, Mother's Day is kind of the where we're looking for our, our progress. And I think, uh, like she mentioned, I think if farmers can get a window, they can get her done. But uh, where's that window at? It's certainly not going to be in the near term. Beautiful today in many parts of, of the Dakotas, but it uh, looks like a, a change in the forecast is coming. Kind of teases you. You get some good weather, <laughs> you get close to being able to get out there, and then it changes again. Yeah, absolutely frustrating. And, and, and it's that way for, uh, for guys, I think, uh, all around the, uh, uh, the upper, upper plains. And also in your neck of the woods, too, Mike, I, I listened to a, a guest that you had that farms between the Quad Cities and Peoria, and it was kind of funny when he said a lot of guys are, are doing stuff, but it, it doesn't know if we know what we're really doing, kind of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and we had a little more rain uh, last night and more in our forecast as well. We're talking with Rusty Halverson uh, with the American Ag Network uh, based in Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, Rusty, I, I just saw a note where Secretary Purdue is going to visit North Dakota 
and uh, talk about uh, farm bill implementations and also trade and and disaster relief. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be coming into a uh, a, a local place, Peterson, uh, Peterson Farm Seed. Uh, is where he's going to have kind of a, a coffee with the secretary roundtable with some area producers. And they're going to talk about, as you said, farm bill implementation, trade issues, which affect, uh, of course, affected North Dakota and South Dakota uh, very harshly uh, with this China trade standoff. I'm sure that will come up. And then he's, uh, after that roundtable, he's going to go to a, a, a farm, I, I believe is called Grand Farms. And he's going to explore some of the new uh, advancements in pre- uh, precision agriculture. I believe, I believe they may be checking out autonomous tractors, but I won't know until I'm there uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I, th- I think they're going to look into something we're seeing and hearing more about, using more machines, even robots uh, on the farms. And, of course, um, the technology is wonderful. You got to be able to afford it, right, before you start implementing it on a farm. But uh, it, it's it's always interesting to hear about and to talk about. Well, yeah, and uh, I hate to refer to golf so often, but it's kind of like new golf equipment, the latest and greatest. Boy, I'd love to have that, but do you really, really need it in the bag? It never seems to help my game that much. I can tell you that <laughs> until they come up with a ball that can't be lost. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now that's the technology that I that I'm looking for. Yeah, there um, you go. So. What are you hearing uh, uh, when it comes to trade? Are, are farmers anxious about these trade talks with China and Japan and USMCA? What are you hearing? Yeah, I think they're just like everybody else. They want something in ink. We're, we're tired of this, oh, it's going great, and, well, maybe not so much. I think it's uh, just as frustrating for, uh, for the listeners uh, out there trying to, I mean, we're trying to put a crop in. Give us some good news. Come on. Mm-hmm. And also uh, disaster relief. Uh, uh, you know, we keep hearing that when they get back, maybe they're going to get to, you know, work on that. But uh, there again, it's been a lot of talk, not much action. Yeah, yeah. And and I hope that uh, the secretary uh, bends uh, Senator John Hoven's ear, who's going to host him. Uh, you know, uh, Congress has to, first of all, address those those disasters from, from last year, the hurricanes, wildfires, Puerto Rico. And now we've got to set, a, uh, set our sights on what's been happening this winter and spring. And I, I sure hope that they can come up with something for all the destroyed grain bins in the Midwest, for all those roof collapses. We've seen Wisconsin, Minnesota, North Dakota. If we could come up with something, I think that'd be helpful, too. Unfortunately, it's become like so many other things. You've got uh, one party blaming the other and the other one blaming, pointing the finger back. And while they're blaming each other, not much is getting done. And we seem to have a lot of that in a lot of areas, unfortunately. So maybe they can get uh, something worked out here soon. Hey, yeah, most of Congress is running for office, uh, running for president. <laughs> so maybe they want to get something done to show they can uh, deliver something. Exactly. All right, Rusty, I know you got to get ready for some markets and things. Thanks for being with us, and uh, we'll look forward to your reporting uh, on the Secretary's visit to North Dakota this weekend. Thanks. Thank you, Mike. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, Rusty Halverson, uh, Farm Director with the American Ag Network uh, based in uh, Fargo, North Dakota. Again, Secretary Purdue will be visiting North Dakota uh, this weekend, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing what he may have to say. Maybe he'll have some news for us uh, concerning trade and some of these things. Well, right now, as we've talked about, trying to get windows of opportunity with the weather uh, to get field work done. Ag meteorologist Greg Solier will join us next to give us his forecast for the week ahead. That's next. Stay with us here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Soybean growers are going all in on Ingenia herbicide. Now BASF is going all in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee so you can have true peace of mind. And you can tap into our expanded Grow Smart Rewards program and get cash back. Go all in today at IngeniaHerbicide.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, clean water issues in this country. Let's talk about it with Don Parrish, Senior Director, Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation on the clean water rule. What's the next step? This rule which we believe is more balanced. We believe that it is also legally defensible. We also believe it's going to go to the Supreme Court. So there's going to be a lot of uncertainty 
but I hope the uncertainty is now moving back near the center where we can live and operate our farms in ways that we're not in, in danger of, of running afoul of the law. It is going to take a while. You can expect EPA to spend a lot of quality time between now and the end of this year uh, preparing to finalize a rule that they can support. They've got to flesh out not only the, the decisions they make, but why and the rationale why they made those decisions. I think that is critically important, and that's critically important in, in making sure that it is legally defensible. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-0432. That's 1-800-352-0432. I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, so yesterday I'm on the set for This Week in Agribusiness with Max Armstrong co-hosting this weekend show with Max. We get to the weather segment, and longtime ag meteorologist Greg Solier is there, and I'm waiting for good news for planting coming up this weekend and the week ahead, and all I could talk about was more rain and in some places snow. Greg, what's going on here? Isn't it time to, you know, start getting some really good spring weather? Yeah, well, you know, typically, yeah, but, you know, and just, just, just just a little caveat here. I'm just the weather forecaster and the messenger. <laughs> don't hurt me. Don't, don't shoot him, right? Okay. <laughs> well, you've, yeah, been, hey, you've been doing this a long time, and uh, you're, of course, uh, you're on This Week in Agribusiness and a lot of, on a lot of radio stations uh, around the country as well with your, with your ag forecasts. And as I was watching you break it down on the map, uh, uh, it just seems like there's always an active system coming in uh, to the Midwest uh, from out west, and there's another one working out there, isn't there? Yeah, there certainly is, and uh, I tell you, uh, active and moisture-laden would be probably the best vernacular uh, to, to use. You know, we kind of caught a break uh, for a little while last week over uh, parts of the Midwest, uh, but now it's been the eastern and southern areas, looking over some of the rain reports out of Ohio and Indiana and uh, east-central and southern Illinois, uh, one to two, some spots pushing three inches. And we've got another system already uh, by this afternoon. It'll be breaking out rains across the Dakotas, uh, some mixed snow into parts of Montana. Uh, that system, uh, with uh, at least a marginally cold air and a process that we call evaporative cooling, could very well lay out 
Would you believe at this late April calendar date, upwards of a half a foot of snow later on tonight, uh, tomorrow morning, and then back in tomorrow afternoon and evening time, roughly on a beam from maybe Aberdeen to the Twin Cities to Madison, Milwaukee, north of Chicago, then back along the northern tier of counties through Illinois and into northern Iowa. And it's probably going to set the stage for, you know, obviously the, a, a late-season snow, but uh, there may be some spots to pick up a half a foot of accumulating snow. That is tough to do in late April, whatever warmth we put into the so- uh, soils around here. And that moisture, by the way, that snow itself will have about an inch, inch and a half worth of water on top of it. So wow. whether it's snow or it's rain, this is the next in a series of maybe three or four more features that will come through the plains and the Corn Belt here over the next five to seven days. So, yeah, this, I mean, when do you see this kind of slowing down and we actually uh, break out of this uh, wet, uh, this wet system pattern that we're in? Uh, well, you know, as we talked about on this week in agribusiness, and we'll do so over the weekend, uh, you know, we take a look at that extended forecast that takes us into just about the third week of the month of May. And, and you know, outside of maybe a pocket or two, and, you know, you get maybe two or three days and you're, you're back at it and then you're shut down again, uh, I think that's the story that we go with for the next two or three weeks around here. So that gets us easily through the first half of the month of May with this wet and active cycle. There's still two more of the systems that will have maybe for some snow mixed in at least for parts of western Nebraska, the Dakotas, and the far upper Midwest. And if you add everything up over the next five to seven days easily across all of the central plains, uh, southern plains, if not all the Corn Belt, one to two, and most likely some spots that maybe three, four, five inches of uh, rain can't be ruled out over the next uh, five to seven to maybe ten days. Uh, so, you know, outside of maybe a little optimism on some of those crop reports that may come out on Monday because of the break that we had here uh, about a week to 10 days ago, you know, small percentage increases of, of planting might get accomplished here over the next several weeks. Otherwise, I just do not have anything of a good news or good weather and natured forecast around here in my hip pocket anytime soon, sir. Yeah, because these aren't just little showers that slow you down. I mean, you're talking several inches, and even with the snow, several inches. So, uh, I mean, it's it's going to really slow things down even more for quite a while. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, we've seen, you know, uh, of course, the thoughts and prayers are still with the folks in uh, parts of uh, eastern Nebraska and western Iowa, northwestern Missouri. There's such a debris field left over from the uh, rain, the snow melt, and the ice dam several weeks ago. And we're seeing, you know, some modest improvement to some of those streams and rivers. I think we're going to revisit, re-aggravate some of those uh, problems extending from probably the Red River Valley and Upper Missouri Valley through North Dakota all the way down uh, into the western Corn Belt and the Mississippi Valley uh, locales in the coming days and weeks, if not the Ohio Valley. And, of course, we've got the Wabash we're keeping an eye on, the Illinois River as well, just to name a few of them across parts of the eastern Corn Belt. So, again, a story that's going to kind of keep building and feeding upon itself. And if you wanted to fast-forward, or take a look at maybe late May into the beginning part or first half of June, it still looks to be wet, and the rains kind of take on a different character. They tend to ebb and flow or on and off, but they tend to recur and repeat over the same areas. There is a saying in the weather business where wet grounds, we beget kind of a wet weather pattern. The flip side of that, we saw that over the past several years in parts of the plains, where a dry weather pattern begets a dry, uh, at least dry grounds begin a dry weather pattern. So, uh, unfortunately, this is the way it's going to be playing out here, and, and we're pretty steadfast and pretty confident in that forecast that this is something, at least in pockets, could be with us uh, well into the beginning part of summertime over some parts of the Midwest and Eastern Plains. We're talking with ag meteorologist Greg Solia. You see him on This Week in Agribusiness. Greg, um, also, let's talk about temperatures. Uh, we kind of... Uh, it's an interesting line on your map that you'll show this on this week in agribusiness this weekend between uh, uh, the north and the south and what's, uh, what happens in, right along that line in between. Well, you know, we're going to have such a, a range of temperatures, you know, if we're cold enough through kind of the dynamic processes of the atmosphere or just the air mass itself. And we were down below freezing over a good part of the Dakotas and the upper Midwest this morning. We still have that late season cold still laying out over those same areas and back into the northern and central Rockies where the snow uh, season continues on. Uh, in contrast to readings that, you know, a few days ago we had readings as far north as about the I-80 corridor. They were up around 80 degrees. 
So we have the capabilities of generating that kind of warmth, and at least next week we might see some of that warmth in the parts of the far eastern and southern Corn Belt. You get that disparity of temperatures, that range of temperatures that usually strengthens the wind fields up aloft. And, you know, we painted on the maps and charts kind of a dividing line, uh, the northern, uh, north of the jet stream, the colder air, south of the jet stream, the warmth and gulf moisture, they sort of get spun around as that jet stream segment runs along them and boundaries and, and disturbances track along it. And, and so the bottom line, those temperature ranges, that contrast of even at this late uh, spring, you know, approaching early summer calendar dates around here is pretty impressive for the time of year. That translates to energy up aloft, and that's how we're able to make uh, at least one of the ways we make the shower and thunderstorm business that continues on. So we'll get, once if, if, if we can break down that temperature discontinuity and actually get to readings back to seasonal norms, maybe a little warmer than average, generally that would tend to help out in drying and firming and kind of an easing of the wet weather pattern. But we, again, just don't see that. That range of temperatures, that cold to the north and usual warmth down to the south and off to the southeastern part of the country, that's going to play out here right through, as we talked about on the TV show and World this weekend, into at least the third week of May. So there's, there's, if we can break that down, we'll see some improvement. We just don't see that happening here out the next two, three, maybe four weeks. You know, it wasn't that long ago we were looking at that drought monitor map and, and concerned oh, yeah. because it, it seemed like it just kept growing and growing more areas that were in drought. Uh, boy, now you have to look pretty hard to find any dry areas. Yeah, I got that in front of me here currently, and it came out, uh, as usual, uh, yesterday morning time, and there are a couple little dry pockets down through South Carolina, Georgia, maybe parts of the Florida panhandle, and they're going to start getting into the rainy season in the weeks to come down there. There are small areas, and, and, and maybe a month ago to six weeks ago, we had some impressive dry areas through West Texas, the Oklahoma panhandle, Western Kansas, even up through parts of Colorado. And now it's just little bits and pieces focused on the lower Rio Grande Valley, maybe the Big Bend area of uh, the Gulf Coast of Texas. Really nothing to speak of anywhere across the core belt. You have to head up towards maybe uh, Williston, Dickinson, near the Canadian border for a little dry patch there, parts of uh, northwestern New Mexico and into the Pacific Northwest areas of Oregon and uh, Washington State. Even those folks have seen improvement. There is virtually nothing outside of maybe the San Diego uh, area, the San Joaquin Valley of California. That's the only dry area we see there. So it has eradicated itself. There's maybe just less than 5% of the country of that that is in some sense of a drier mode, and officially, for what I can see here, outside of New Mexico and Washington State, there's nothing officially going on with regard to a drought anywhere coast-to-coast across the country. All right. He's just a messenger. Don't blame him for the message. Don't hurt me. That's right. He's just calling it the way he sees it. Greg, as always, good to talk with you, and we'll be watching you this weekend on This Week in Agribusiness. And, and you, too, nice to always have you on with Max and Orion and myself. Uh, nice to have you around any time, and uh, take care. We'll talk to you down the line. All right. Thanks, Greg. Take care. Ag Bye-bye. meteorologist Greg Solier, uh, you see him on This Week in Agribusiness. He and I will both be on there this this uh, weekend. But, wow, that the forecast, you know, we're next week we're going to turn this calendar to May, and then we start really uh, focusing on uh, this weather. And, uh, as he said, it sounds like it's going to stay wet into May. How will the markets react to that? We'll talk about that next with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. So stay with us here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Hi, I'm Greg Peterson of the Peterson Farm Brothers. If you've seen our videos, you know we're proud to be farmers. Farming can be dangerous. Never assume location or depth of underground utilities or pipelines. Before you start any work on your farm, call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com to have underground lines located. It only takes a minute and can save your life. 
Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. In the grain and oil seed sector on this Friday trading session, in soybean futures, we are trending a fraction to a penny lower. Corn futures around a nickel higher. The wheat futures two to three and a fraction higher. Corn extending advances on the overnight trade. July corn extended to another new contract low yesterday as the bears kept pressure on the market. The trend across all time frames, according to the wire talk, points down for nearby corn. But on the market again today, we're about a nickel higher an hour into the day. July up five at 362 and a quarter. Looking lower, the weekly chart reveals a bearish target at 352 and a half. That'd be the weekly low from March 15th. In soybean futures, we're a fraction to a penny lower. July down a penny at 871 and three quarters. November 892 and a quarter down a penny. Wheat futures trending into positive territory. Chicago wheat July up three at 444 and a half. Kansas City July up three at 414 and a half. And Minneapolis spring wheat July up two and a half cents, trading at 516 and a quarter. For livestock at the Merck, we see more minus signs in feeder cattle futures after Thursday losses. August down 97 at 152.30. April live cattle 20 cents higher at 124.25, but the back months 30 to 47 cents lower. We saw cash cattle activity in Nebraska's dressed market yesterday, three to four dollars lower at 204 to 205. Lean hog futures June up 12 cents, 89.87. July down 92 at 93.72. On Wall Street, the Dow is down 21 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter bankruptcy or divorce it just doesn't matter as a matter of fact your job is your ticket to your new vehicle we're auto credit express and we've helped thousands of people just like you antonio h told us great company got me connected and the day i went in i drove off in the car i wanted 100 percent worth your time need a car get started now and drive off as early as today just go to 11 ignoremyscore.com right now that's www.11ignoremyscore.com auto financing the easy way 11 ignoremyscore.com get started today auto financing the easy way Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Matt just talked with ag meteorologist Greg Solier, and he sees it staying wet uh, right uh, into maybe the middle part of May even. Yeah, it, it definitely. The forecast is not uh, conducive to planning right now. Where we're at, we haven't done anything uh, here uh, in Shelby County. Uh, it's uh, it's wet. We got another uh, three-quarters of an inch yesterday. Didn't have anywhere to go, so we've got ponds again. Uh, our forecast uh, looks like uh, we'll be lucky to run uh, by that middle of May you're talking about. So I heard another guy on the radio this morning that was talking weather, and, and he said that he was very concerned with what uh, – uh, if we do get a planning window, that's what, that's what he said that concerned me, but he said if we do get a planning window, that it's probably going to be very short-lived. So nothing going on planning-wise in the eastern side of Illinois? No, there's very little. I heard of a couple of guys maybe going north of Paris yesterday, uh, but uh, I don't think that there's hardly anybody that's been able to go. I think on a fully plowed piece of ground, uh, guys are able to run some. Got a good friend up by Galesburg. He said he was about done planting corn, uh, you know, but I think it's definitely hit and miss. There's a couple areas there north of Bloomington I heard guys were able to run, uh, but it's just not very widespread at all. Yeah, there's some planting 
that's been done, but uh, the the majority certainly has not. And we've kind of uh, looked at the calendar and said, well, it's still April, but we're not going to be able to say that much longer. Now, when did the market start taking note of this? Well, you know, yesterday, whenever we went down and made new lows again, uh, and we did not violate some long-term support, uh, essentially, it felt like we had an opportunity maybe to see some sort of a, a corrective bounce. And so uh, yesterday, closing the market higher, uh, after, I mean, granted, it was barely higher, but we closed higher after making a new contract low. That was certainly a good technical development. And then you come in here today at the end of the week, and, of course, the forecasts have been ominous for three days now, so we can't blame this all on the weather or credit it all to the weather, I guess, for those of us wanting corn to go up. But, uh, you know, certainly the market's taken note this morning, and so hopefully we'll be able to continue to see a little bit of steam uh, built going into the weekend. We talk about this a lot, how the markets assume that the crop will get planted. Uh, they, they also seem now to assume that there's going to be a big production number, uh, because we've had such good ones uh, in recent years, even with slow starts to planting and things like that, and even with other weather challenges during the course of the year. So that, that seemed to just be now an assumption by the markets that we're going to have big crops. Right, but Mike, you and I have talked about this at least twice before, and uh, we all know that last fall was not a good fall for a lot of folks, especially west of Mississippi. You know, they need to get a lot of work done. You know, I know a lot of folks that were trying to get anhydrous put on in the last couple of weeks, and the ground was actually fit, but they couldn't get the gas on because they couldn't get a hold of it. So, uh, you know, there's just a lot of challenges this year, not to mention, uh, uh, you know, the ground, obviously, when you get later in the spring, uh, being saturated, everyone's going to be pushing, trying to figure out a way to get it done. Uh, you're going to be looking at compacted uh, soil in some parts of the uh, Corn Belt. And I guess I'm not... Uh, a feeling like right now this looks like an above trend line year if Greg Solier is right and we're not planting until mid to late May. I think that that's that's that that in and of itself is not going to be the reason that you don't have a great yield because you can still have some awfully good yielding corn. But you and I both know uh, once you start to push pollination farther back into the summer, it definitely raises some concerns. We're talking with Matt Bennett from Illinois. He's with AgMarket.net. So, Matt, uh, we'll wait to see how that plays out and how the markets react. In the meantime, we uh, we assume the markets are going to react if and when we get a, a trade deal with uh, China, a trade deal with Japan, and then USMCA pass. Those are still the big wild cards as well when it comes to the markets. Yeah, I mean, we've all been concerned about the free trade. I mean, we, we need free trade, and it certainly has uh, uh, been a thorn in the market side over the last year. Uh, we need to see something positive happen with a good policing effort, and it sounds to me like a lot of that's coming together. I'm sure that we're going to have to give up something to uh, uh, give President Trump the ability to say he quote-unquote won, Uh, but at this point, who cares? I just want to see something put in place to where we know we're going to get some of our corn and soybeans uh, uh, safe levels, good levels of those uh, products exported onto the world market. I'd like to see ethanol, DDGs, and then, of course, we need the trade deal with Japan. They've been a huge purchaser of, uh, of corn in the past off of us. And then uh, the MCA, uh, Mexico's been number one or two as far as corn imports, uh, uh, you know, for quite some time off the U.S. So all of this needs to come together. Uh, we got to hope that we're going to see some resolution to it. And I think that if you start to see any of those things come together at the same time that this uh, uh, spring planning gets pushed back, it could be a dynamic market in that uh, uh, the estimate I had this morning was that the funds were short about 355,000 contracts. So, uh, you know, they bought maybe 10,000 yesterday and were able to close a little higher. If they bought 50 today, you could probably see a 20-cent move, but I don't know that you'll see them buy 50 in a day. Let's say that there is potential here for quite a, a market jump, right? I mean, if if things if the planets align just right, and I know that's those are a lot of ifs, but uh, that possibility is certainly there. Right. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves in that. You and I both know there's a lot of corn out there to offset those positions. I mean, there's a ton of corn in the farmer's hands still. Uh, the farmer's been tight-fisted, though. And so how is this thing all going to play out? I would say that uh, what you're going to see is if this market would end up with a whipsaw effect and you go back the other way, maybe, God forbid, they want to go long. I mean, the door's not big enough to let all these guys out. 
uh, first of all. Second of all, going long would be something entirely different. But the way I think it's going to play out is you're going to see the futures market rally, uh, and it's going to be a staggered effect. I think that it won't be straight up by any means, but it could be a very interesting rally. And the other thing that's going to happen, I think basis is going to weaken substantially because uh, basis is historically extremely good for the size of crop that we had. And I don't think that it can hold together because uh, the system is just not going to be able to handle all the corn that it needs to, needs to handle. Meanwhile, we know South America has got a big crop to put out on the market, too. Right. It's a big crop, and it's cheaper than ours. You know, the uh, South American corn and beans, Brazil and Argentina, are cheaper on the world market than what ours is. Our dollar continues to show strength. Uh, you know, actually today it's off a little bit, which is nice to see. But uh, by all means, that's been killing us, having more expensive product on the world market. And I think that's why a lot of folks want to see this free trade agreement get uh, put to bed is because, uh, you know, whenever we're looking at the situation with China, if they are going to guarantee us some levels, then uh, they're going to have to buy stuff off of us, even if we are a little bit more expensive. And I know there's going to be a lot of factors that's going to work into that, but it's something that's pretty important uh, that we see, especially whenever our corn is more expensive. I just It's kind of an unusual time. When I, when I talk to you and other market folks, we can easily talk ourselves in a pretty friendly, positive uh, scenario, and you can pretty easily talk yourself in a very uh, negative scenario as well. Well, you can. And I think the thing you have to be cautious of as a producer is that we just came out of a pretty dark time here this week. Uh, we're not out of the woods by any means, but, you know, looking at 381 corn is a heck of a lot better than uh, low 370s. And I know a lot of folks were sitting around scratching their heads saying, how in the world am I ever going to make this thing work? So if you do get a run back up towards $4, towards your insurance price that you had uh, this spring, we need to be paying very close attention to that, especially if we're lucky enough to get in the ground, uh, get corn in the ground. Now, with that being said, let's say that we're sitting here two, three weeks from now, and we're not able to get the bulk of the corn in the ground in a good uh, agronomic uh, fashion, if you will. Uh, we got to be a little bit cautious to get oversold, you know, if we start to go up above this four level. So we've been telling guys for quite some time if they wanted to own calls along with the sales for corn, best time to own those calls is whenever corn's cheap and volatility was dead. That's exactly what we saw earlier this week. It's what we saw last week. There's been a lot of opportunities to get long in these calls, and uh, I think that it's going to help guys be a little bit more aggressive whenever the market finally rewards us, which I think to an extent we'll see some sort of a reward around, around the corner. Yeah, I think that's what we're waiting to see because if if we're set, if we're talking two weeks from now and most of that uh, seed's still in the bag, gonna start getting nervous. Yeah, I would say pretty darn nervous. You know, uh, the thing about it, we planted in 2013. We started on May the 15th, uh, and I finished six days later. We had a nice window there. We ended up having a pretty darn good crop in uh, 2013, but uh, you know, it definitely was one of those things that. Uh, concerns the guy you know first of all uh, nobody wants to spend a lot of money drying three dollar corn uh, uh, if the prices didn't uh, rally a whole lot from where we're looking at right now uh, but second of all you know you've got to be concerned about what your yields might look like especially if you've got inclement conditions in the spring because uh, if i would uh, be able to have ideal conditions in the spring and some heat in the summer i'd much rather take that than to have inclement planting conditions and to have really good weather in the summer because if you don't get the corn crop started off on a good uh, note, uh, you're, you're basically taking the ball out of your own hands. It's kind of what we do in farming, right? You, you look back in, to certain years and say, oh, that year we did this and it turned out okay, or that year we did this and it didn't turn out. You kind of pick and choose those years, and the, they either give you some comfort or make you even more nervous. Absolutely. There's no question yeah. about that. you got to take the good with the bad, though. All right, Matt, uh, thanks a lot. We'll talk again, and hopefully uh, we'll have some uh, more positive news at that time. But uh, uh, in the meantime, we just kind of wait for those windows. And thanks for being with us. Yeah, I think you need to have me on again soon if the market's going to turn south because uh, with the way they're rallying today, I want to take credit for it. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I'll keep that in mind. Thanks, Matt. Matt Bennett from Illinois with agmarket.net. All right, we're going to start a series of looking at uh, getting the most efficiency from your equipment. Today, we're going to talk about your fuels choice. We'll talk with a fuels expert with CHS Cinex coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, well, let's take a look at the recently released Ag Census. Joining us to do that is American Farm Bureau Federation economist Michael Nevue. I think farmers have an excellent story to tell in terms of uh, they really are the original stewards of the land. And one thing that changed from the 2017 and 2012 census, and this is 2012 was the first time they asked this question, Conventional versus conservation versus no-till. Um, in 2012, conventional uh, was at the top, followed by conservation and no-till. In the 2017, um, no-till was the highest, followed by conservation, and then uh, conventional was the lowest. So you're definitely seeing uh, more farms utilize uh, environmentally friendly practices. Uh, additionally, one that was captured was cover crop. Uh, amount of acres uh, planted with cover crops increased by 50%. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or High Soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and High Soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. So you want to stay on top of the week's agriculture news and have it available at your fingertips. Well, tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast. It's 15 minutes of the week's top agriculture stories published every Saturday and available anytime on iTunes, TuneIn, and Podbean or by clicking the link on our website, AmericanAgNetwork.com. Tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast to go more in-depth on the week's top stories. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our technical skills, our math, our engineering skills. You're going to need our help with your water, your air, your food. You're going to need our organizational skills, our problem-solving skills. You're going to need our determination, our honesty, our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. 
Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back to Adams on Agriculture. We're going to focus in this segment of the show today on uh, maximizing efficiency of your of your equipment, making sure you get the most out of your equipment. We know that's uh, very, very important to your farming operation. We're going to take a look, especially today, uh, at at the premium diesel fuel. We're talking with Akhtar Hussein. He is a fuels expert with CHS Cenex. Akhtar, thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, we hear the term premium diesel used quite often. Is there some uh, specific uh, criteria that has to be met for a fuel to be called premium? You know, that's a great question. And there are a lot of fuel choices available to folks today. Uh, and those fuel choices range from, you know, do I use a typical number two, kind of a standard number two diesel? Do I use a blend of number one and number two? Do I add my own bottled additive to that diesel? Or do I use this premium diesel coming right out of the pump? And premium diesel is what we're going to spend the time talking with about today. But the fact of the matter is there is no clear definition of what a premium diesel fuel needs to contain. So a number two that's treated with a cold flow improver, that can be called and marketed as a premium diesel. If you compare that to Senex premium diesel fuel that uses an additive package that contains seven, uh, seven different additives, there's a big difference between the two and one that I'd like to you know, make sure that folks understand. Yeah, let's talk about that because this is so important, uh, making the right fuel choice. So uh, when you're looking at the making that choice, what does Cenex Premium Diesel uh, offer? Well, Cenex Premium Diesel, as I mentioned before, contains a blend of seven additives. And really what that all adds up to is a more complete additive package and a more complete burn in the engine. And when we have that more complete burn, you're achieving a couple things. One, you're having a much more efficient combustion cycle, uh, and you're not having that unused fuel uh, recirculate through the engine. Uh, the number, the second part is when the fuel is burning cleanly, you're doing a lot less strain to your um, diesel particulate filter and some downstream things through the emission process. So it all starts up front with that more complete burn, and that's exactly what Senex Premium Diesel Fuel uh, offers. You know, Octor, there there are a lot of choices out there, a lot of fueling options that uh, a, a producer can look at, and it might be tempting. Maybe you could save a few bucks uh, on at the outset, but that could be costly in the long term, couldn't it? That's absolutely right. There's a number of things that have changed over the years with diesel fuel, starting with, you know, several years ago, the move to start reducing the amount of sulfur in the diesel fuel, which definitely has got some emissions benefits, but it affects the stability of the fuel. Now we're at ultra-low sulfur, which means the stability of the fuel is even more in question than it has been in the past. Um, add in some biodiesel, which is mandated in certain states, and in other states just added to to increase lubricity or you know be more of a environmentally conscious fuel. It's a, that's a fine decision, but again, that puts into into question the stability of that fuel over time. And so, um, using a premium diesel fuel, especially when when considering today's engine technology changes, um, is very important. And so. Uh, using a typical number two diesel fuel instead of a premium diesel fuel can lead to things like filter plugging, injector issues, uh, reduced efficiency, reduced power, and what using a Senex premium diesel fuel really solves for all of those things. So there's, there might be some confusion. as Someone might be thinking they're purchasing a, a fuel, a diesel fuel, that would get them these benefits. Uh, but maybe they're not. How, how is someone supposed to know whether you're really protecting your equipment with a true premium fuel? 
And some of those facts may be hard to obtain, but I guess the first thing I would say is really ask the question, figure out what exactly uh, is added to that fuel so that folks are calling it or, or a, a retailer may be marketing it as a premium diesel fuel, really what is in it. Uh, and then understand and have the confidence that Senex premium diesel fuel does have those seven additives in it. Um, those additives, they clean deposits, they keep moisture out and keep water out of the fuel. There's a cetane improver, um, there's lubricity enhancer, there's injection stabilizer. So these are all the elements of the Senex premium diesel package, which is industry leading. So we lead the industry in the science behind our additive package. Uh, and so you can have the confidence knowing that and just choose Senex. But at the very least, I would uh, I would definitely ask uh, and inquire as to what are the what are the additives in the, in the diesel fuel that's being marketed as premium. And really, the equipment, the machinery is only going to be as good, only going to perform as good as as the fuel that you put in it, right? Well, that's exactly it. And you know, the thing about the thing about using this equipment is timing is everything. The equipment can't be down during harvest or during planting. Those things are going to cause uh, some significant strains on your, on your business. And so, uh, you know, we feel that using Senex Premium Diesel Fuel is a relatively low-cost, uh, really proactive step in making sure that the equipment is available to use when you need it most. So we'll talk more about fighting off the downtime uh, in our next conversation, but uh, uh, just you know, here we are getting into crunch time with field work and so much to do. You can't afford downtime. So it, it you know, really, uh, your that decision you make right up front, the fuel that you choose to use in that equipment is so critical to getting optimum performance. We've been talking with Octor Hussein. He is fuels expert with CHS Cynix. Octor, thank you very much for being with us, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. All right. Thanks for joining us here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.